Well, hello again, and happy Sabbath. You've got to be very joyful with what's going on outside. The sun is out, and Bobby and I have been gone for a week, and by the time we got back home, uh, I was surprised that our bushes and trees were in full bloom, because when we left last week, uh, it was just starting to bud. And so you've got to be very happy on what's happening outside, just the sun and and everything in full bloom, and God's love in full bloom as well. So God is good, right? God is good. Yes, all the time, God is good. I wanted to ask you a question. What is the most silent experience you've ever had? Like, like, like you were in a room or outside, and it was just silence. So much so that you can hear your pulse or your heart beating. Have you ever experienced such a silence ever in your life? I'll give you a moment. I'll give you a moment to think about that as you're thinking about the most silent moment in your life. The one I experienced was back in May 2015 when Bobby and I went to uh, Arlington Cemetery in Virginia. And the reason why it was so silent is that Bobby and I, as we toured Arlington Cemetery, we came to the part of the tomb of the unknown soldier. If you're familiar, if you're not familiar with that, with the tomb of the unknown soldier. It was erected or unveiled back in 1921 when the remains of a World War I soldier was found. And this American soldier could not be identified, but he had to be buried. And so he was placed in this tomb. And every year, people would come out to pay homage and gratitude to this unknown soldier. And as the years went by, because war being horrendous as it is, there would be time to time soldiers who would not be identified. And so at the tomb of the unknown soldier, uh, people through the years, through decades to present day in our time, People have just continued to even pray for other unknown soldiers and to have this service on a regular basis. So Bobby and I were at that service in May 2015. And as the service started, it was utter silence, unlike that whirring in the back, (laughs) like that noise in the background. It was just utter silence. Even though there were like 200 people around the tomb of the unknown soldier, it was silence. Silence because people were touched that day. As the color guards came out, and they had their trumpet in hand, and they played the beagle. And then a few words were said, and then they marched away. All that time, the crowd and Bobby and I were just in utter silence. It was an experience I'll never forget. It was an experience I appreciated. 
It was an experience that I was new to at that time. I never knew about the tomb of the unknown soldier until Bobby and I went to Arlington Cemetery that day. I'm glad that we were able to experience that. I'm glad that our country does things to that degree to honor those who have served. If you look at the picture here this morning on the slide, this is of uh, the National Cemetery in Chattanooga. Okay. It's a close-up of the American flag with the flag a little bit tattered, as you can tell. I liked this picture because it's so symbolic of just the challenges that our country has gone through, the ups and downs, the joys and the losses, but yet we still persevere because in God we trust. And then in the background you have the headstones of all of, all of the fallen soldiers. So I... So I thought this picture would be very appropriate for the holiday that we have on Monday, Memorial Day. And our sermon title today is called A a Memorial to the People, which is a message about remembering those who honored us by giving the ultimate sacrifice of laying down their life. So a memorial to the people is actually a phrase that is connected to our key text today. I'll come back to this picture in a little while. Our key text is Joshua chapter 4, verse 7. And it says, Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. And so when I was thinking about Memorial Day weekend, because we do spend the whole weekend to celebrate one day, which I think is very appropriate, when I was thinking about Memorial Day, my mind went to this verse, to this chapter in the book of Joshua, because it's not only Americans that have holidays or set up statues or set up... um, tombs to honor those that they have lost. This was a practice back in the day as well, in the days of Joshua. Here we have instruction coming from God, going to Joshua, where God tells Joshua, take men from each tribe of Israel, have them grab the stones on the riverbed of the Jordan, and then put them in in the place that you're camping at, Place them, stack them up as a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Well, what were they wanting to remember? I mean, that's the point of a memorial, right? A memorial is there so we can honor the work that was done, or we can honor the event that had transpired, or we can honor the sacrifice that was given. In this particular situation, in John chapter 4, if you turn your Bibles with me, the people had just crossed the river Jordan. The people of Israel. Now, as they crossed the river Jordan, were they crossing in boats? No. Were they crossing in rafts? No. 
They were walking across dry ground because God had ceased the waters from flowing so the people can cross safely to the other side. They were coming from the east side of the Jordan and they're crossing into the west side to enter the promised land. And so as they were, uh, as let's just go ahead and read it. John cha- Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. This is where our passage really starts. It says, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, on what? Dry land. The Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, and to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So verse 8, it says, so the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them, as God commanded them, and they took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of, of the Israelites. As the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. They're setting up a memorial, a memorial to the people. So what are they, what's the memorial for? What are these stones supposed to remind the people? Well, plain and simple, God's goodness, God's grace, God's protection, God's love. And who gave the instruction to build this memorial? It's nothing fancy. It's not like the Statue of Liberty that's, on, uh, that's in New York, Right? This one are 12 big stones placed together by 12 men. But nonetheless, those stones are to represent something great. And that's why God gave the instruction to say, build this memorial as a reminder of how you should have faith in me. See, The building of this memorial was not because God is an egotistical God or God wants the attention. It was more so for the people. He wanted his people that every time they walked by this area, they would be reminded of God's goodness, of how he led the Israelites through the wilderness for 40 years. I can't imagine what that must be like. I've been lost driving before, taking the wrong turn. Yeah, I see some people shaking their heads. Do you know that feeling when you're lost? You don't know what you're doing. You don't know where you're going. And you are asking yourself, should I go ahead and just stop and pull a U-turn? But then you might not be in a prime situation to pull a U-turn because there's a median right there. So you're going to have to drive what? five miles down the road? Just for 10 minutes of being lost, I already have this sense of fear. But can you, what would it be like if you were lost for 40 years? But only to have a God to guide you through it. 
A God that, that says, I will be with you no matter what. Oh, there's a river or there's a sea. I will split that Red Sea open. I will split that River Jordan open and you will walk through dry ground. You're hungry, I shall give you manna. You're thirsty, water shall come out of the rocks. God didn't want the people to forget him for their sake and not his sake. He didn't want them to forget God. And so that is why we have these holidays for our country too. Why we have Christmas, why we have Memorial Day, because we cannot forget every headstone that gave up their life in order that you and I can have the freedoms today. We can only worship today in this world, in this country, because we've been given that right through the sacrifice of others. So we cannot forget that sacrifice because their sacrifice was not just for country, was not just for you, but it was also for God, for, for God's name. So when I think of stones, my mind comes back to a time when I went hiking on Pikes Peak with my with my family. You recognize Bobby on the far right, and then that's my sister, and Addison, uh, my sister's daughter, so my niece. When I think of stones, I'm brought back to this time when I hiked Pikes Peak for the very first time in my life, and it was grueling. So why do I think of, uh, why do I think of this hike when I think of stones? Well, because, as you see here, I don't have a pointer, so I'll just come to the screen. These stones were intentionally stacked by other hikers. And why would they do that? To mark the trail. You're right, Jim. Because when you're hiking in certain locations, it's difficult to find where the trail goes. And so hikers would stack these stones to let other hikers down the road or to let other hikers in the future so other hikers can know here is where you should walk through. Here's the path. Now, this path in particular, it's still somewhat visible. But what happens when your path is nothing but a bunch of rocks? Large rocks, boulders. You can't find the path. You, you wouldn't know where to step. And if you took the wrong turn, it can literally lead you off the side of the mountain. And so I was grateful. I don't know who took this picture of me, but I was grateful that I found these stacked stones to let me know that here's the path. So what you do is, there was another stack right here. I remember that. I had to go this way, and I just connected the dots. And then there's one down over there. These stones opened the path for me. It allowed me to walk the safest route as much as possible. And so when I think of Joshua getting instruction from God to stack these stones up, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm imagining is what people are or processing in their head. These stones is when God delivered Israel. A great reminder of God's greatness and goodness and love. <clears throat> Here's the other thing about stones. 
I truly believe stones also represent Jesus as our rock. If the stones on a trail stacked on top of one another is to help the hiker find their path, well, who is to help us in our path of life? Jesus. The Bible. (coughs) You're right, John. Cornerstone, a.k.a. capstone. The Bible. There's many different places in the Bible that, that, that describes Jesus as the stone or as the rock. I didn't want to fill in 50 different verses, so I just picked the three that I thought is very relevant for us today. Matthew 16, verse 18 tells us, and on this rock, I will build my church. This is the time when Peter and Jesus have an interaction with each other. When Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say I am? And his disciples said, some people call you uh, Elijah. Others have called you Moses. And then Jesus directed the question to his disciples and say, what about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter was the first one to speak up. And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And the next thing Jesus says is, yes, that's the right answer. And on this answer, on this rock, I will build my church. The church is built on the Messiah to guide us through that rocky terrain of life. Acts chapter 4, verse 11. Peter is speaking to the people and he says, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which he became the capstone or the foundation of the church. Peter emphasizes what he learned from Jesus in Matthew 16, verse 18. Then in the book of Isaiah 28, verse 16, it says, See, I lay, it's God speaking, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. In Houston, Texas, my uncle had a house where his foundation crumbled. He started to see the cracks. By the time you see the cracks on your wall, it's already too late for your foundation. And the one thing that I remember him telling me is, I'm worried that, that our house is going to fall on your aunt's head, Auntie Norma's head. And so that was something that he tried to get, uh, that was something that he did get fixed as soon as possible. And you, you could probably guess that it cost a lot of money. But his dismay was finally rested when he knew his foundation was fixed. Brothers and sisters, your foundation needs to be fixed. The foundation of your spiritual life. I love Isaiah 28, verse 16, where it says, a precious cornerstone for a what? What type of foundation? A sure foundation. Unwavering. Very similar to the parable that Jesus gave, right? That the wise man built his house upon a what? A rock. A rock. And of course, who is that rock? What have we realized? It's Jesus. Jesus. 
May he be the rock that guides us through that rocky path. Jesus also says in John 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I love that. So when we think about Memorial Day weekend, for us to fully understand the sacrifice of those soldiers who have come and gone, we can't separate their sacrifice from the faithfulness that led them to that sacrifice. There's a saying that I stole from the military. Um, Veterans told me this when I was a chaplain, but I stole it as a chaplain, that there are no atheists in foxholes. Right? Do you know why that is said? There's no atheists in foxholes? is because when they're about to meet death... When death is knocking on the door, every man or soldier or woman is going to be praying to God. I took that as a chaplain because I learned the same thing as a chaplain, that there are no atheists on the deathbed. I can't even tell you how many times I've gone into a patient room who told me when they were still able to speak that they are not religious. I said, okay, we don't have to speak about religion. Let's talk about something else. And then they're the ones that turn the conversation to God. Can you tell me what you believe in after death? Well, what I believe in is going to be connected to the Bible, but you told me you're religious and you don't want to. Well, it's okay. Let's make an exception, chaplain. Let's talk about that. What's your belief about life after death? And then we talk about it. We talk about 1 Thessalonians 4.16, right? And we talk about Revelation, the the one that you just read today, um, Renee, during your prayer, right? That there is life after death. And in that regard, there are no atheists in the foxhole. There's no atheists in the deathbed. There's no atheists in reality because when it comes down to it, Every person is going to have that thought in their mind. Was my life worth living? That's why I like to say, that's why I said what I said just a few seconds ago, is that in order to appreciate one's sacrifice, we cannot disconnect their faith in God. They must have, there was something that powered them, powered them through to fight through it all. And the only thing that I can think of that powered them through is the love they have for their country and for their loved ones and the faith that they have in God. What can we learn from those who sacrifice their lives? In this Memorial Day weekend, may you and I stop and reflect on that faithfulness that they had to carry us through. I often wonder and think what motivated and pushed Moses through that wilderness? What pushed Joshua through that wilderness? What pushed Joseph through the imprisonment that he had? What pushed David to fight a a towering giant? What what caused all these, these characters in the Bible and heroes that we look at today? What 
motivated them? What pushed them? What helped them persevere? It has to be faith. Faith in God. So when we reflect on this weekend, may we look at that. Joshua says it best. Let's go back to the Bible. Joshua chapter 4, and I'll end with this. 4 verse 21 onwards. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, What do these stones mean? What do these stones mean, Dad? Mom? What are the purposes? What are the purpose of these stones? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea. And with Moses, when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth, here's the purpose of those stones, He did this so that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always worship the Lord your God. To me, that is the essence of a memorial to the people, is to look at God and to admire and admonish Him for the power that He has to save you and me from this sinful world. Amen.